Amen. Good morning. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you for being here this morning, and uh, we are blessed to have all of you with us. And am I on, Steve? Okay. All right. Sometimes I can hear it, and sometimes I can't. So thank you so much for being here. It's a wonderful morning, and uh, we appreciate all of you choosing to be here this morning, and especially if you're visiting with us. We want you to know how honored we are and blessed we are to have you with us uh, this morning, and we hope that we treat you well. As uh, Chris Atkins, one of our elders, said at the beginning, we hope that we make you feel welcome. We hope that you're blessed by the worship, by the study, and by the fellowship, and we also invite you to come back anytime you can and hope that you will. And uh, if there's any way we can uh, serve you, answer any questions, uh, help you in any way, we ask you to please let us know how we might can do that. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Fathers are a very important uh, figure in our, in our society, in our families, in our churches, uh, and, and in our world. And, and not everybody believes that, but fathers are important. God created fathers, and as we're going to look at, God is a father. And so uh, we want to encourage fathers this morning, and I hope that uh, what we have to look at this morning will not only encourage you as, as a father, if you are a father, but will encourage you if you're a wife, if you are a child, if, you're, uh, if you are the son or daughter, and encourage anybody. You may not be a father, you may not be a husband or even male, but we, we hope that what we have to look at will have something for everyone uh, this morning. And so let's take our first look at Joshua chapter 24. We're going to make uh, three uh, main points as we look at our three different main scriptures that you see in your bulletin. And so we'll just make some points about each one, and hopefully that will be encouraging to you. Let's start there in Joshua chapter 24, and I'll give you a, a real quick uh, look at the, the context that we're in. Uh, you can back up into verse, uh, verse, chapter one, uh, verse 1 of, of chapter 24. Uh, but Joshua, what he's done there in chapter 24, verse number 1, is he's old now and he's about to die. In fact, at the very end of chapter 24, in verse 29, the Bible says, after these things, after what happens that we're about to look at, when that's all done, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him. And so these are the, the last words that we have recorded of Joshua. He's an old man, and, and, and he's still the, the leader of God's people, the Israelites. They've already come out of uh, Egyptian slavery. They've wandered in the desert, and now they've conquered and, and claimed the promised land and inherited uh, the promised land, and the tribes have been divided up among uh, the different parts of the promised land. And so Joshua has done this kind of thing before, but the Bible says in verse number 1 that Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. He called everybody together to say something to them. His, his last words that he wanted to say to them. And, and there, there's something here for us too, even though that was a long time ago, there's something still here uh, for us today. Uh, many things here, we'll zoom in on, on one thing. And so what he begins to do at that point, 
that he has all of their attention, he begins to remind them of all of the things that God has done for them. He repeats, he recounts history, and sometimes we need to do that to remember what God has brought us through, to remember what we've gone through and how God has shown himself faithful and the ways that God has blessed us, like the kids' song, the songbook song, adult song, count your blessings. We need to do that more often. And he, he counts the blessings of God and reminds the people uh, about all that God has done. And then, uh, verse 13, if you look at verse number 13 of Joshua 24, he really summarizes for us everything he just said to all the people. This is essentially what he's saying in verse number 13. I, and he, he's, he's giving them, he's telling them, talking to them as if this were God were to, was talking. So he's saying God's words to them, and that's why he's using the word I. So in verse 13 he says, I gave you a land, meaning God gave you a land. I gave you a land on which you had not labored. They hadn't farmed and worked that land. And God drove out the enemies. Yeah, they had to go to battle, but God drove out them. They didn't labor on that land. He gave them the land. You had not labored, and I gave you cities that you had not built. You didn't lift a finger to do any of all this, any of this stuff that, that I just gave you, God said. And then he says, and, and you dwell in them. You didn't labor for the land, you didn't build these cities, and yet you dwell in them. You dwell in the land, you dwell in the cities. Remember what God has done for you. And then look at that last sentence of verse 13. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. You didn't do anything compared to all that God had done, and yet look where you are. Look how I have been faithful to you and taken care of you and blessed you, he says. He's, he's speaking God's words to them to remind them of what God has done. And then we get to verse number 14. So you can't just jump to verse 14. You need to know what's the context verse 14 and, and, and beyond is in, and we're Certainly only looking at a very uh, uh, short, uh, narrow context there. But, but then he gets to verse number 14. And Joshua says, now therefore. So he just said all of that. Then 14, now therefore, because of all of this, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served before the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And so after all that he had just said to remind the Israelites of God's faithfulness uh, to them, he says how they should respond to God uh, because of all of his faithfulness. And, and look at what he says. He says two things. He says to fear the Lord and serve the Lord. Do you see that? Is that in the Bible? He says fear the Lord and serve serve the Lord. Now these, if, if you know the story of the Israelites, they've gone up and down, up and down in their faithfulness, haven't they? Sometimes they were devoted to God and faithful, ready to do everything he said. And other times they turned on him and didn't want anything to do with him. Acted like he'd never done anything for them. And they, then they would get in trouble and they would repent. And he would call them, he would, you know, welcome them back. He, God, and God was always there, like that prodigal son's father in that parable Jesus told. He was always there waiting 
for his children to come back to him. And so, but it's not like the Israelites don't believe in God. It's not like they haven't been faithful. And, and yet, Joshua, on the, in these last words to, to the, the people of God, he wanted to say this to them. And, and he's not saying you've never feared God or you've never served God. These are his last words. And on his, almost on his deathbed, he says, Fear the Lord and serve him. Now, how did he say to fear the Lord? To, to, uh, to fear him uh, and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Now, that fear, that word there, doesn't mean simply... The way that we think of that word and use that today, and like we're, we're afraid, this is horror, this is terror, that kind of thing. It's not merely that or only that. It is this fear uh, for who he is and, and recognizing and understanding who and what God is and how sovereign he is. And he is almighty God. And to, to actually recognize that changes your view of him. You can't just see him as the, the chuckling grandfather, uh, happy with anything that you do and never, you know, that's one, one picture that, that many in, in so-called Christianity would like for us to believe, that he's just ready to chuckle and hand you a lollipop and be proud of everything you did. And, and, and not that that's necessarily a good trait of a grandfather in all, in all cases, but that's not the way we're supposed to always see God. There is a side, there's a, there's a dimension, there's an aspect of we need to understand what it is to fear God. And so that word also includes reverence and true devotion. Okay? Reverence and true devotion. Unfortunately, that's really missing today in, in, in Christianity, isn't it? That's really missing today in Christianity. And then, so he says to fear the Lord... So to, to, to respect him, to uh, have reference for him, true devotion, fear, awe, uh, and then to serve him, how? In sincerity and faithfulness. So he didn't say serve God however you want. He didn't say to serve God when you feel like it, when it's convenient, and we're going to look at that in a second. He didn't say serve him when you want and how you want and as long as it's comfortable and convenient. He said serve him in sincerity, not, not just actions to be seen not just to go through some motions but in sincerity uh, and in faithfulness okay and then joshua says to them put away the gods that your father served and served the lord now we'll come back to that but look at verse number 15 joshua tells the people of god how they should live in response to all that god has done for them and then he makes this strong statement to them that really puts them in a corner to make a decision. And, and it's like, okay, he's saying, look, these are my last words to you. And just in case you hadn't come to this conclusion and made this decision, I want this is what I want to put to you at the very end of my life. This is what I want to say. He's calling out conviction in them. And he says in verse 15, and if it is evil in your eyes, we'll come back to that word evil. And if it is evil in your eyes, your translation may have some other words there, to serve the Lord. You see, if, if you don't want to do that, if you think that's evil, choose this day then whom you will serve. Whether, he gives them two choices. If it's not going to be God, you've got two other choices, he says. The gods, of your, the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, 
In other words, his ancestors, his forefathers, those people, you go serve those gods, so-called, little g, or the gods of the Ammonites in the land, in whose land you dwell. In other words, those people you just drove out, if you don't want to serve the true God, then why don't you go serve the little g false gods that your forefathers served and worshipped, or the gods of the Ammonites, by the way, they're the people y'all just drove out, and you're in their land now. So Joshua made it clear, if you're not going to fear and serve the only true God, then choose right here, right now, who it is you're going to serve. And so their options, if it weren't for the real true God, weren't very good, were they? Now think about it. If they had served the false gods of their fathers, they would never have the blessings that they had all of this time from the true God, would they? And, and had they served uh, uh, the gods of the Amorites, and whose people they just wiped out, so that tells you something about their gods, then they wouldn't be in the promised land that they were standing in right now, would they? So you can, you can see, they could see, those two other options don't work out too well, do they? Those don't seem to be very good, viable options. And so he's got them in the corner to say, Choose this day whom you're going to serve. And if you're going to serve God, then, then serve him, uh, fear him and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Make a decision. So after Joshua reminds them about God and challenges them to fear and serve God, he takes a stand on, on what his issue is, uh, his decision is. But let me, let me mention that word evil, where some translations translate that, but if it seems evil to you, that word there, yes, means evil, but it's, it's uh, in that Hebrew word, it really has more to it than the way we hear that today. Uh, and so you may see words, a word like displeasing or unjust or unreasonable or inconvenient. You might see one of those words translated there. Because that is, and, and for us it's hard to, to see how is that, how can you translate evil there and it also be those words, but that's kind of all that together. If this isn't the right thing for you, if you decide that the true God isn't right, if it's evil, if, it's in, if he's inconvenient, if, if, if it's, that's just not what you want to do, if it's unpleasant, then you figure out who you're going to serve. And remember, he just recounted their history. He just, he's got them to where they got to decide. And then he, after he's challenged them and put it on them, he tells them what he's going to do. He tells them what his challenge is. And he says, verse 15, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, you do what you want to do. I've said what I need to say, but I'm telling all of you right now where I stand. Me and my house are going to serve God. So Joshua certainly hoped that all the Israelites would choose to continue to fear and serve God. But he, he's letting them know that regardless of what you do, Regardless of what you think, regardless of what you say, me and my house are serving God. So you go do what you want to do. I'm telling you what we're going to do. And certainly he took a stand among the people. All those people made it clear where he stood for God. So that's that first point I want us to, uh, to, to, to make to fathers. Is, is you got to take a stand on who you serve. Just like Joshua said it to his people there. you got to choose this day who you're going to serve. And, and that's not just, oh yeah, sure, I serve God. We're, we're here right now. It's, it's far more, he said, with sincerity 
uh, fear and sincerity and faithfulness. So it's not just, oh yeah, we're here. Oh yeah, I do a couple of things every now and then. Oh sure, I love God and I know some Bible facts. That's, that's, not, what, that's not what the Bible's getting at. That's not what it means. It's deeper. It's more than to, to, to serve God, to worship Him, to fear Him. So he took a stand. He didn't care if it was popular with anyone or not. He didn't care uh, uh, if, if somebody liked it or not. He led by example and hoped that the other families would follow. He led his family after speaking to all of Israel, and he hoped the others, the other men in the families, would do the same thing. So fathers, you've got to take a stand for you and your family. You've got to stand up and listen, because this, you're not supposed to say this today. You've got to stand up as the father and as the husband and speak for your wife and your children and say where you stand. Do you hear that? You've got to speak up and speak for your wife and your children and say where you stand and let them know we stand for God and we serve God. Joshua didn't run and ask permission. He didn't go and... Find, and, and try to find out if it was going to be popular or not. He, he didn't go and, and, and talk to family or anybody and, and wonder if he was going to have to come back and clarify anything and retract anything. He stood up for him and his family and said, we belong to God. We love God, we serve God, and we always will. Now remember, what time of life is, is Joshua in? He's, a, he's 110 years old. And even up to his last time of speaking to people, he's saying, as for me and my house, you do what you want to do, but I'm speaking for my family. We take a stand for God. And so, men, you have to have uh, the strength and the courage and the heart to say, no matter what, you're going to speak for your family and say, we will all fear and serve God. And don't let culture tell you you can't do that. I know how it is. In I know what the messages are. They're telling you, what do you think you're going to do? Speak for somebody else. And you've got to decide who you're going to serve and worship. Are you going to believe what the Bible teaches? Or are you going to follow the shifting waves of culture and be tossed to and fro? That's not, not oppressive or mean or anything like that. In fact... That's nothing short of the love of God being demonstrated in you, through you, for your family. Don't let culture tell you you can't do that. Don't let trouble and challenge uh, make you afraid. Love your wife and children enough to take a stand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then just let happen what happens. Joshua didn't run and ask if it was okay. And you know what? Your wife wants you to do that. And your children want you to do that. Now, you may have some gods that you've got to get rid of, like Joshua told him. Uh, you put those gods down. You get rid of those gods that you, uh, uh, that you inherited from your forefathers and picked up along the way. So you may have some things that are coming between you and God first in your life that you need to set down. And you've got you got, you got to make that commitment to do that. You can't speak for your family as for me and my house, and then you're going to have other gods, so-called, before the true God. You see, that doesn't work that way. Now, you're not perfect, you'll never be perfect, and you're going to blow it and you're going to get it wrong, okay? 
That's a different subject. So we're not talking about perfection or anything like that. Uh, you don't ever get it wrong. So, so what I want to do is I want to, I wanna, I'm saying this because I want to encourage you. I want you to feel strengthened that if you aren't taking a stand to fear and serve God for you and your family, I want, you can do that. That's okay. And, and, and you have the support of this church, and most of all, you have the support of God to do just that. And that's what God is calling you as a, as a father to do. Now, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's look at verses 4 through 9. And as, as I say, with, with each of these, there's a broader context you can look at. But and in the bulletin, I, I, I wrote it backwards. But we're going to look at teaching and talking about God. See, if you're going to take a stand for God, for you and your, your family, then what do you do? How do you do that? What does that look like? And Deuteronomy 6 tells us a lot about that. So, so again, we're kind of backing up because this is Moses before Joshua. Moses is dead when Joshua's talking. This is Moses, and he's talking to the people of Israel, okay? So we're backing up in time. Moses is talking uh, to the people of Israel, uh, speaking for God, this is giving them God's words to the people. And look at verse number 4, starting at verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6. And you can see what we have underlined here and see where we're, where we're going with this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You see that? He's saying that you've got to do it first. He's... Moses' words, God's words to the people there was, this starts with you. You've got to do this, okay? And then what do you do? You shall teach them diligently to your children. You see that? You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk uh, by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between uh, your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so like Joshua uh, took a stand for his family, we see the same pattern here. And Moses is speaking to the people, and, and he's saying the same thing. And he's saying, you shall love the God. You do it first. Now, he's talking to the, the parents, but look at what Joshua's saying. He's talking to the, he's saying something uh, as an example to the fathers, me and my house, you, fathers, you got to do it. Put away those other gods, put away those other things, and you make the commitment, and you speak for your family, and you lead by example the way Joshua did. And that's what your family wants you to do. They're hoping you'll do that. And certainly all of us could do, could do better. Now, now he says, uh, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse number six. Now, so what do you see? He's doing the same thing as for me and my house. And now then, after that, Moses gives them the next part, that they are to teach these to their children. So he uses teach and talk, but he's talking about teach them to the children. And so you see what he says there. Uh, you shall teach them to your children and shall talk of them when. And after he says when, he gives them all these Examples, and he's basically saying, you always look for the opportunity to talk about God, to share your faith, to, to, to pass on the love of God, and encourage your kids to be faithful, and to know God, and all of those things. 
He says, you do it first, and then y'all talk, you teach it and talk about it at home. Let's make our homes places where our faith in God and love for God is naturally passed on to our kids. That's where it's supposed to, that's what Moses is telling them. He's saying, he's saying, it happens at home. And the church is here, the church has a responsibility in all the various ways that it does that. It certainly does. But it needs to start at home. Now, I realize not everybody has that at home, but, but we want to encourage our, our fathers, our men, to, to you take a stand and do that. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And, and this especially is where we want to uh, make sure everybody knows there's something here for you too, even if you're not a father uh, uh, at this, uh, this morning, right now, or ever been, or not male, whatever. I want you to see, what is this really all about? What is, it that the, what is this message that we're supposed to teach and talk about? What is it we're taking a stand for? What is this whole thing about that you're wanting me to do? Paul writes a few sentences here in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, that beautifully and powerfully summarize who God is and what he's done for all of us, especially for those who believe in him okay, and serve him. So look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And, and listen, he's going to start talking about God as our Father. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace, look, from God our Father, okay, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father who? Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chosen us in him, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, so that the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of, of our sins, of our trespasses, according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. Now, Paul wrote long sentences, and all, all of that is actually one sentence uh, that he writes. But the Bible says that God is our Father. Now, in a sense, God is the Father of all humanity because he created everybody. Isn't that right? But there's another sense that God is the Father of people who have turned to him for salvation. Okay? And so he's that, that, that heavenly father of the people that have obeyed the gospel according to scripture and surrendered their lives to him. Now, now look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. Galatians 3, it's not on the screen or in your bulletin. Galatians 3, 26 through 27. And Paul writes this, for in Christ Jesus, you see that, in Christ Jesus. So this isn't everybody that he created. This is those in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, you all are what? Sons of God, how? Through faith. Look at verse number 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So how do you get in Christ that he talks about in verse 26? For in Christ you're all sons of God through faith. 
you put him on in baptism. You put Christ on in baptism. So it's simple teaching in the Bible that those who obey the gospel according to Scripture become sons and, and daughters, children of the Heavenly Father. He's our Father. So I want you to look. You may have an earthly father, and he may have been good, and he may have been okay. He may have been rotten. But regardless, you have a Heavenly Father. And that's even what's most important. So this message in Ephesians 1 is for all Christians. God is the father to the human father. He's the father to the human mother. He's the father to the single person, the widowed person, uh, to anyone who's come to him through faith and put on Christ in baptism according to Scripture. So what does the Bible tell us our Father has done for us who are Christians? As our Father, He's uh, here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. He's blessed us with salvation, a heavenly home. He's chosen us. He's adopted us. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's lavished His grace on us. You see, all that God does for His children when they make Him His heavenly Father. And did you know that God wants all people to be in heaven with Him? That, that, he doesn't want it. The Bible says He doesn't want anybody to perish but all to come. Uh, to a knowledge of him. He wants everybody in heaven, but not everybody will choose to make him their heavenly father. Not everybody will choose to turn to him and come to him according to scripture. But God wants everybody in heaven with him. Why? Because that loving father wants his children with him. He made us. He wants us to come to him for salvation because he loves us and because he wants us in heaven with him for all eternity. And that's good news for everybody, regardless of your earthly relationship or role. You know, it's easy to think of a lesson uh, on fathers or mothers or something like that and immediately think of all the ways that you fall short and don't measure up and all the things that you'd like to be and ways you'd like to be and all the things you need to work on. And I sure don't want this lesson to make you feel that way. I want you to be encouraged this morning uh, as a father to take a stand for you and your family for God, to teach about God, to talk about God. And I want, I want everybody to be encouraged to know that if you're a Christian, God has blessed you beyond what we can describe in human language. And he wants everybody to be in that relationship with him. And you may be by yourself. You may have a rotten dad. You may have a great dad. You, you may be uh, uh, a, a single Lady, you may be a, a single man, young man. It, does, it doesn't matter. God is your father and loves you, and he wants you to love him back and be with him forever. So I hope that you're encouraged this morning. I want you to know that if there's any way we can help you this morning, if you need to talk, if you need, if you need to study, uh, if, if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism and, and you've just been putting it off and, and you know what you ought to do, uh, then, then do it this morning. Or if, or if, you, or if you're not sure what you ought to do and you, you want to know more about that, do that this morning. If there's any way that this church can help you in any way, we want you to know we're here for you and we love you. You can come forward now as we together stand and sing.